and welcome to Pyres and Twirling Unwired, a daily discussion about business, technology, and current events around the world. Featuring Tim Pyres, a career software, privacy, and mobile communication pro, and Ben Sperling, a leading professional in digital health and healthcare technology. This program is casual and non-rehearsed, and may feature occasional guests or recorded interviews. Let's join Jim and Ben now. It's February 5th, 2020, episode number eight. Ben and I are going to be discussing remote patient monitoring. Jim Pyers from Escondido. How are you, Ben? Excellent, Jim. Ben Sperling from Point Loma. Woohoo! Well, what'd you think of the uh, president's speech last night, Ben? I, I gave it proper time. I actually didn't watch it at all. So uh, <laughs> busy on family things. I read the recap. Um, you know, each side taking a victory lap. Um, so uh, I realized that I didn't miss much. Well, that was Ben's hot take. Boy, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to ask that again. Yeah. Um, no, I was I had a basketball game. So my son had a game. So I was uh I was tied up. I'm the bus driver, too. So and we were up in a place called Valley Center. Uh, it's a little bit east of uh, Escondido. And so it's it's in the boonies out in farmland. It's a beautiful area, but it's uh, it's out in the sticks. Well, so that I, was was out, I was out the softball field you know, with my daughter and her team. So uh, actually frigid cold for San Diego. I think it dropped, you know, below 55 um so you know definitely we were layered up hold on let me grab my uh violin I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna start. love it yeah exactly the, exactly the san diego uh the cry babies yeah we here are. we go got below my, 65 everyone panic my blood has thinned since we moved out of here from moved out here from atlanta so um i officially have to wear a layer when it drops below you know 60. <laughs> yeah, I hope nobody on the East Coast is listening. Um, yeah, yeah, we might we might get hate mail. <laughs> exactly. Well, today's show we're going to talk about remote patient monitoring. Uh, this is a interesting topic and a controversial one in some ways, and one that's been bandied about for many many years, not, never really living up to the promise. So what I'd like to do as we unpack this thing is maybe, um, Ben, can you try to give your definition of remote patient monitoring, what it means to you? Uh, you've got a lot of experience here. You've worked in this space forever. What do you think? Um, give us, you know, paint us a picture and wow. uh, give us a definition and then we'll we'll take it from there. Yeah, I mean, I guess the idea behind remote patient monitoring is the ability to get insights about a patient's condition really outside of the doctor's office or the hospital walls, right? And it's been around a long time, Jim, as you well know. And they have tried this with different technology. They have done it with dial-up modems uh, and contraptions that plug up to a, you know, a, a PC workstation. Um, and it's just evolved, right? And now with mobile, 
um, I mean, we're pretty darn fortunate with mobile and mobile sensors. And we now have the ability to monitor an individual that, you know, may have a condition, maybe a chronic condition like diabetes or congestive heart failure or whatnot. Um, and, and monitor them in near real time and get continuous data or snippets of data data. And it really is pretty amazing that a doctor can, you know, take a look at the month you've had and say, you know what, I, I see abnormalities and I see a problem or you're doing great or you need to adjust this. Uh, it just it opens up a whole new world of being able to, to provide better care for you as a patient. Oh, that's a great explanation. Help me also with a couple of definitions. So you hear remote patient monitoring, RPM. You hear telemedicine. You hear um, maybe in-home medicine. You hear yep. th th there's, d are these the same things from your point of view or are they different things? And what's the difference between these things if there is one? That's that's a great question because they can some of these things can sound almost synonymous, right? But remote patient monitoring is really utilizing some sort of sensors, most likely nowadays, and collecting information to you, and then the data being sent to a caregiver of some sort to observe, intervene, etc. Tell. You know, a telemedicine or a televisit is um, a reach out in some sort from a, a caregiver, like a doctor or a nurse, to you. Now, telemedicine could be done by a telephone, or telemedicine can be what now what people utilize a lot are these e-visits that MD Live and, you know, uh, Teladoc, and those are a couple of the major players, but, you know, there's lots of competitors in the space that you can go to your smartphone, pop open an app, say you want to see a doctor and a you know, doctor pops on and, you know, you, you tell him what's wrong and he tries, he or she tries to triage you and make a, um, you know, make a diagnosis, right? Sometimes they have access to your medical record. Sometimes they don't, depending on you know what type of service you use. Um, so, uh, and that's that's kind of the difference there. I like it. So, access to the medical record that seems to be a big deal. Um, I've been playing around with um, with our healthcare service, and you know through through the uh, iPhone and you know the services in the health app, you can connect your health record uh, you know through through applications and through the Apple health app what's your take on that um, you know my I tried it because I wanted to see how it worked uh, I do have concerns about privacy and about turning it on and off we can get we, we had that in um, I think our second or third show where we talked a little bit about the privacy implications yep. Yep. but Given the, um, let's say, the proliferation of all these different types of services, and think of way, think about the way mobile and the, you know, today you've got, you got all these vertical applications, vying for a lot of the same data, and yeah, if it's your Facebook and Twitter and you know, I don't know, Nest account or whatever, okay, whatever, big deal. Uh, 
they're just going to send you lots of ads. But in this case, when you have, and you mentioned a few MD Live, tele, you know, Teladoc, there's all these, there's these telemonitor companies that are also wanting access to your health records. Yes. So yep. it's give, valuable. Give me, give me your it, take it, there. What, what yeah, how, how yes. do you think, see that playing out? Well, first off, so if, if MD Live or an MD Live doc or a Teladoc doc um, is wants to access my medical record, right? I'd like to be able to furnish that for them. Okay, give them the ability to do it because I want them to to see the whole me is you know if you know I'm calling about you know what seems to be a science infection. They go you know then looking at your medical record, it seems like every time this year it's January you have a sinus infection. Okay, what happens in San Diego every year? Like so. Having a bigger picture about what's going on can be very beneficial. I mean, look, my, my wife used a televisit, uh, and when you know recently, and I mean, a nice guy, nice doctor, but ultimately he's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm not going to give you a Z pack. You know, you seem congested or whatever, but didn't really do anything, right? Now, mm-hmm. he couldn't physically, you know, my wife ended up the next day like exploded with flu symptoms and it turns out that when we went to a minute clinic at cvs she turned out to have the flu right and we were able to get tamiflu or whatever it's not that teledoc's fault that he didn't diagnose it she didn't she wasn't presenting with those solution those, those symptoms at the time right and so you know they do have some limitations right um and having some of my wife's you know medical data may have helped not in that circumstances but you know, but could have helped in, in other circumstances. But really, it's about, you know, having some companion sensors that a thermometer or something else um, that can, you know, help help those telemedicine services, right? It may be pulling off data from my, my Fitbit device, right? And seeing, you know, my heart rate or my temperature, body temperature or whatnot, um, you know, changing, right? And so with that data, that teledoc, now has more data to make a decision, right? And I think that's going to be extremely important, you know, to make those televisits more valuable. Well, and there's there's some legislation related to that by the HSS, which is um, it's like an interoperability rule, so that in effect these. Um, medical data record companies uh, you know epic cerner these guys come to mind that that they've got to play ball at, at a certain standard level and yeah at least in the news it appears like they're trying to block those kind of interoperability um uh, legislation or policies whatever you want to call them yeah why, yeah why it's- would they why would they not want to for example why wouldn't they want to enable a patient who's going to MD Live service, uh, and and it's to the benefit of the patient, as you were describing, that that this service has that information. It's very it's critical information, in fact, about your your history. And so, wh- what's the point there of of them trying to play uh, traffic cop here? Yeah, I mean, there's a, look, there's a number of different factors that come into play. Um, you know, me personally, I want patients to have access to their data, 
now and and to be able it to be portable for them in some form or fashion. And I think we've talked about this in another show though is it's got to be in a way in which the patient can understand it. So it's not like you can just dump the whole medical record because a lot of what's written there is in clinical terms, which, you know, in doctor speak, whatever, your diagnosis, right? It's not, it's like, you know, to, to make it, try to make it even simpler, it's like there's an official name for a drug that you may take, a medicine you may take. That's not the name that you and the doctor will say to each other. It's a, it's a different name that goes to the pharmacy, Right. It's the same thing with any diagnosis. It's not like they say, you know, I got a broken arm. It's like they got a fancy name and, and clinical codes for reimbursement for that, right? And so the average Joe and Jane is not going to understand that, right? So it's almost like you can get your medical record and it's really just about storing it and making it portable for you to share with somebody else really easily. And then there's the, I want to see it myself and kind of be a part of it and understand what's really going on. That's another part of it, right? Now, Epic seems to have made a stance on this. Um, um, I need more clarity into what their real meaning behind it is. Um, Jonathan Bush, who started Athena Health, he just started a, a new venture and the name escapes me at the moment, but um, I think I mean it's Firefly Health. Um, you know, he's come out saying, you know, <laughs> that Epic is out of line on this um, and, you know, they should be coughing it up. Um, there should be some interoperability between things. Absolutely. Um, it's just a fine balance. I mean, one would ask is when a hospital buys a, a, a medical record system, whether it's Cerner or Epic or, you know, Allscripts or, you know, just name, name your favorite EMR vendor. Do they own the data? Do they own the system? Like, because if they own it, you know, and under what license do, can they operate it? Because you can license a piece of software, but you may have limited rights in that license. It may be, you may not be able to change it without a certified professional, right? It's almost like invalidating a warranty. Like if you open the back of your iPhone, right? Um, so, you know, maybe that's the card they're playing. I do know that companies like Cerner and Epic do, if you want to create an app on, uh, and, you know, for a medical app that you have and you want it to be visualized in their medical record so the doctor could be part of the, part of the regular workflow, a lot of times when you publish the app in that store so a, a hospital or a provider can leverage that, they're uh, charging money for um, to the manufacturer of that app, almost like a toll, um, you know, to be able to you know get access to that pool and be interoperable. Now, one could say that's a horrible thing because you're you're limiting interoperability, you're charging them. But isn't that kind of what Apple does and 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 Google does with their stores? Like, you pay, right? To be in the store and be available. You mean, you mean as as a developer, you're giving yeah. Apple something for yeah for them running the store and all that and um, yeah yeah and I would say there's um, probably think, a slight difference here, which is uh, well you you can you can make the leap saying that you know my healthcare data is also not dissimilar to my to the private data or content that I'm creating so. Back to our Facebook conversation or Twitter conversation, you know, who whose data 
is it? I think that's the question you're asking. And, you know, I would, um, in the healthcare world, I would, I would argue that the, uh, the data belongs to the patient and well, the individual patient and, you know, and the licensing is the other way around, you yeah. know, why should you have to license and pay something for your data does not make logical sense. Well, I, I, it doesn't, but it's, it's the mechanism which you deliver. So if I'm a company uh, and I'm just playing devil's advocate really is that if I'm a company and you're telling me I've got to spend extra dollars just so you can get information out of my system, right? So I got to enable my competition, you know, is that right? Yes, no, right? So it's not that I'm agreeing or disagreeing with them. I'm just saying that's kind of what we're saying is, is that, hey, by the way, you're going to have to spend resources that aren't going to make you any more money uh, just so people can get things out, right? I'm it, Where you're saying, where Epic could be saying is, I'm willing to be interoperable. Here's the mechanism to be interoperable, and it's going to cost because I have a cost of you know building and maintaining that bridge out, right? I'm not saying it's a good argument, but that could be one they play, right? Um, it's bit, how they're talking is definitely pretty vague out there, and I think we're going to see further clarification. But you see, you know, that's Jonathan, just, but that's that's a, that's just a business model issue, right? So you're right. you're saying, hey, we're because they're already charging the hospital for the use yep. of that system. Yep. So 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 uh, yeah, I and in their business model, if there's additional costs for providing interoperability to other systems. But they should build that into their business model for charging sure. the hospital. I would argue that as a patient, I should be getting paid by Epic for them use, allowing them to use my health record. And well, I think there's a case to be made for that. And well, uh, yes. uh, otherwise, I'll switch it to Allscripts or Cerner or whoever will pay me for that. But you, yeah, well, you don't get that choice. You're, you're, you don't get your choice. Uh, That's really. because it's not my data right now. But well, I, no, no, I, I no, think but it's yeah. the hospital you go to. So if you go to in, in, in San Diego and you go to Scripps or Sharp, you could be running two different EMRs, right? So, and you don't sure. really know as a consumer, you know, you don't really know about, I mean, these names we're tossing around, Jim, Epic and Epic and Cerner, most consumers don't even know what those are, right? And so they don't know what's going to their data. Now, we talked in prior episodes, you know, about this payment piece and anybody, I don't care if it's an EMR or whatnot, if they're utilizing your data, it would be great to get value back as a consumer. So. Uh, well, and you may even, our, I think our argument in the last show was that um, it's, it's not only would it be great, but it's a, um, it's possibly a right that um, we should have. So, it, it, especially in healthcare, um, yeah. this, you know, where where the data is so um, important and it's so um, and privacy is such an issue, and you know, many of the other things we talked about. Why, why don't we have those rights with that data? It's a it's a concern, and and. You know, we're using the service provider, but you could you could easily replace them with the hospital. To your point, sure, sure. So, so, right. so whatever the, the, I mean, the hospital, they're they're the guys working on you. They're the guys giving you, you know, you're giving permission to uh, utilize that information. Um, so they're no different than the remote patient monitoring company, uh, well, who's 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 the provider. 
Right. So, so I mean, here's so the, that's so where the, I'm. That's where I get um, a little bit perturbed. Is just the um, well, the idea this? that. How about this? You've got a chronic condition, whatever it may be, right? Let's just pick one, right? Let's let's say it's you know diabetes, okay? Very very common, right? Um, and there's a company, a remote patient monitoring company, um, that is your doctor has hired to monitor your diabetes, right? To make sure you're you're stable, you're not going to end up, you know, back in the hospital, right? Uh, insulin shock or whatnot, right? So they're going to collect on you and in aggregate everybody they're covering, right, in diabetes, right? So, but don't we want that company to get smarter about it, to be able to get predictors? Like, because if we had diabetes, we wouldn't want to be back in the hospital. We'd like some piece of software to tell me, I get an alert on my watch saying, dude, you need to stop doing what you're doing and go eat or get insulin or whatnot. Um, and all the, all the learnings that company will have. So I want them to innovate. So if we, if we, um, starve them of data, right, they're not going to be able to make these changes. Right. So I guess, but what I would like is would be nice is if, if this is truly my data and I'm kind of donating to the cause, right. Cause they're going to use it in aggregate. I'd like for the ability to, you know, some of the savings to come back to me. Now, one could say is, well, you're getting the ability is that they are going to get smarter and they're probably, they could save your life one time. And that's a, that's a big benefit to me. Right. Um, and that will be the kind of a push and pull argument, but these remote patient monitoring companies are going to get a vast amount of data on our daily lives. And we could be the beneficiary of kind of much better care because of it. And I, so I'm, I am 100% behind, you know, getting more data remotely and providing better care. And I truly believe that doing that and getting that versus just going to see the doctor periodically is going to change the way of our health. Yeah. Now I'll play devil's advocate and say, one, the, the, the industry hasn't really proven that they've been able to use that data very effectively. Uh, and there is a there is a lot of data, and there aren't a lot of rules. It is the wild, wild west in some ways, still um, around collecting of this type of information. And obviously, some of the tricky things there are once they have your data, it's very hard to revoke that privilege of having your data. It also gets shared without your permission. And and this can be very innocuous, like you're getting a knee operation and they're just they're sharing it with the radiologist, which you want. On the other hand, um, it can it can be very uh, insidious, like, you know, all of a sudden you start getting all these advertisements for, you know, knee pain and knee pain drugs and, uh, you know, exercise equipment and blah, 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 blah. So. You know, it can it can be used uh, for you and it can be used against you. And I think there's I, I think as long as um, there's no control over that, which is the current case, I think that's problematic. Uh, the, the, there needs to be some uh, mechanisms and controls in place where you can um, you can turn that stuff on and off. Yeah, no, and then I, agree. I would, there, then there, I would have less of an issue with it. Yeah, I mean, I agree that, you know, they'd be able to revoke and rescind and wipe out data 
you know, again, following all the kind of privacy and storage laws that, under HIPAA that you need to would be a good thing. And there, there is no mechanism that I know of right now to cleanly do that, right? But I'm also less annoyed that I get an ad about something that I've looked up, right? I, I, that's just me. I don't, I don't really, I don't care um, that I get that I get an ad about knee pains if I looked up, you know, knee surgeries, right? Because if it's if the idea is they're they're hopefully presenting something that's relative to me, right? Relevant to me, and maybe I do buy it. Like if it helps me, that's great. You know, if you're annoyed by it, you know you know, use, use a browser that doesn't allow that, you know, don't allow cookies or whatnot. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly, it gets back to a privacy issue, but getting back to these remote patient monitoring companies, I mean, uh, you know, there, you're right that there's been a lot of promise in them. They haven't hit the mainstream yet. Um, now that I believe is going to change and the new reimbursement codes from CMS, which is a government organization that provides reimbursement, um, that, I, you know, there are a bunch of new codes out um, that will pay your doctor to look at your data, to look at your um, vitals or whatnot through sensors that may be in your home and be a weight scale and maybe a blood pressure cup, whatnot. They will get paid to look at it. 20, 30 minutes a month, they'll look through it um, and also pay for the device itself and the service to collect that data. And so now that there's an incentive for doctors, not just to provide you good care, but also they can, there's a, there is a revenue for them and it doesn't cost them to operate this because that's a big thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm, my margins are going to shrink just because I want to provide you better care. They're super sensitive to that. Now there's a payment for that. And that was CMS, but also private payers like United and, and the Blue Cross, you know, the Blues of the World and, and Kaiser, they pay for that, right? And I think that will help build momentum to something that is important, in my opinion, important, and will help reduce, care, you know, reduce the care costs and keep people out of the doctor's office and keep them out of the emergency room catch things early. I think though that's really important, preventive care. And and especially with the rise of chronic conditions, this is going to be <clears throat> as important as anything else to uh, you know, to lower costs. Well, so an interesting side effect of of remote patient monitoring. So one of the I was reading an article the other day about some I'm trying to think of the source of that uh Anyway, I think it's on stat. But anyway, the story was the story goes like this. <laughs> if you give your records to the hospital, uh, so you get treated for something, there's there's a really there's pro the hospitals are problematic in this scenario too. So we were kind of picking on the uh, these uh, medical record providers, but yep, but actually the ho the hospitals are pretty egregious on their own. So. In this in this article, they were talking about, um, you know, they did some they did some research and were were figuring out that sometimes asking for your medical record at the hospital, you know, there was blatant misinformation provided about whether you can even have access to it. There were charges for it. Um, in some cases, as much as five six hundred bucks to get your medical record from the hospital, and um, you know, it, it was often a bunch of delays. You know, it's like going to the DMV, you know, incomplete records and 
getting, you know, bad information and, um, and sometimes they wouldn't give them the digital copies. They'd, you know, print it all out and give you a big box of papers. And so you couldn't get it. Yeah. You couldn't get a flash drive with your data on it or something. There was no way to transfer the information. So, uh, I, I, I think, think the hosp- I think the hospitals have a, you know, are, are problematic here too. But li- what, what my point was going to be, so Ben, what you're describing is a scenario where if you can be treated at home, uh, and these these telemedicine services um, are effective, guess what? You don't have to give your record necessarily. Jim? Jim? Looks like we've lost Jim on the audio. Over again. You know, they've got their own IT. Uh, oh, did we lose you? Yep. It looks like we, we were gone for a minute here. Uh, technical difficulties. Um, but yeah, you're, you're just kind of giving us a scenario of, of you know, the, not having to give the hospitals if we can get services at home, right? The telemedicine yeah, and services. That, it, it, right. And if that, uh, if your medical information can be shared, you know, digitally on an as needed basis, um, and, and there was some sort of smart interface, because to your point, there's a lot of information in the medical record that isn't relevant in every case so you know like like in your wife's case you know they're trying to figure out um if she's got a cold or the flu or um so so information relevant to that what other drugs she may be taking at the same time uh all these things are information that would be great for the the doctor to have when they needed it Um, yep on the on the other hand you don't want to dump a whole bunch of stuff on them that you know, they've got a call through and most of it's um, not relevant to the current situation. So yeah. g- getting well, some smart filters on that would be would be another well, interesting here, uh, area to explore. Yeah. So a couple things. So first of all, I think that the hospitals for the most case have moved away from that policy of really charging you know, a lot or anything for getting your records. It used to be paper based records. So you know, going down and having some, there was a human resource cost of getting that, copying it and providing it to you right now. I don't know about 500, but that's, that's a lot, but getting it was an inconvenience. So they didn't want to do that right in the past. Cause it was an inconvenience. It wasn't a core piece of their business with EMRs, electronic medical records, right? Um, it's, it's become a heck of a lot easier. Now it's, I think they also want to be careful of what they, the data they send out is, you know, because what's in there is their procedures. If they didn't do it optimally and you had an adverse event later down, later on down the road, they didn't catch it. Let's say you had some imaging done and you, and you had a lump, right? Had a tumor, but they didn't catch it. Their radiologist didn't catch it. Now they forward that on, right? And then you go to a new radiologist because now all of a sudden the lump or the tumor has grown where it's protruding out of your abdomen. Then they're like, oh, well, let's see what happened in the past. Oh my God, they should have caught this, right? Medical malpractice, right? So um, I can see why they may not want to. And I definitely know as a consumer why I want it, want it to be. 
Um, but yeah, I guess un until we get to the point where, you know, the point is we want the doctors and the system doing the best thing to try to keep people healthy. And there's, there's sort of an adverse, uh, well, I don't even, not adverse. It's a, um, there's a contradiction here that is hard to resolve, which is, you know, I want to cover my ass more than I want to help the person who's sick. Yeah. Wow. Uh, or who might be sick. And and to me, that's also kind of one of the problematic things in healthcare today because of the the nature of the system and the liability and the you know, it's that that's a fine line, you know. Hey, look, I mean, you're getting you're kind of tripping into a different issue, which is about tort reform, right? And malpractice and all that. I get I get it. Uh, I get that we, you know, it's like, what's the value of a life even when they have these huge lawsuits when somebody dies? Look, I, I think I've said it on a previous podcast. My sister passed away when I was in college. She was giving birth to my niece. It was malpractice, right? Um, it's a different feeling when it's happened to you. Um, but you also see lots of frivolous lawsuits that even taint even further for folks that were really affected to somebody that's a frivolous lawsuit. Like, you know, they, they spilled, you know, spilled coffee on themselves at McDonald's, right? And they want, you know, you know, $10 million, right? Um, it, it's, this, this, this is a, a hot button issue. It's not gonna get solved anytime soon. It's, you know, it's a value, it's your own values. It's, your, it's a moral question where your compass points. So, but I mean, back to the, back to remote patient monitoring, these companies now are going to have a lot of data on you too. And now with devices, smartwatches, you know, blood pressure cuffs, weight scales in the home that are all connected either through Bluetooth or cellular, right? Um, whether it's aging in place type of things or remote patient monitoring for kind of a chronic condition, a ton more data is going to come in and your doctor is going to need you know, AI, machine learning to synthesize the data, this data fusion, all different devices coming together and characterizing the changes in this and, and pulling out the data point or a condition, almost predictive, set, telling your doctor, hey, look, if you don't intervene in one form or fashion, whether it's changing a drug regimen or bring him to the hospital, or whatnot, this person is going to crash, right? There's going to be an adverse reaction. And so, you know, as we get into this realm, which I think is going to adopt a lot faster clip than it has from patient monitoring and the importance of it, because of all this new data, doctors are going to need, you know, smart tools, you know, smart programming, smart devices to really call out when something is going to happen so devices no, alone yeah predictive um this idea of predictive analytics and uh predictive data and using all this to you know know when something's going to happen you know you and i have both worked on some scenarios that are real in this yep. area um i think a lot of them are kind of uh yeah uh, I'll just call them good uh, good ideas. But I mean, when when you think about um, where you're going, so think about the mashing up of 
of all this data, I, I kind of think about Google's Project Nightingale, you know, where they they kind of got themselves in a little bit of hot water gathering, you know, personal health data. I mean, imagine what Google's doing. So, you know, Google acquired Fitbit. So now they're going to start, you know, let's say they've got sleep data and they've got, um, you know, activity data. They obviously have location. Yep. Your search data. Um you know, a lot of personal information if you've signed up for, you know, Google accounts. And then, of course, they've got your email that they're snooping through. And now they're mashing it together with your health data. I mean, uh, I'm worried about that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know I, about you. I get it. it. It's, yeah. I get it. Look, hey, I get that. But think about it this way. Let me let me give you the bright side of this, of this you know, not, just because I got to counter you a little bit, which is, okay, so now Google, who you fear a little bit of having your data, because they know your location, and now they know your medical condition, all right, they can now track, you know, the spread of a virus, a flu, or what's the newest one, coronavirus? They can now track where you've gone and where, you know, and, and everybody that's connected with you in that. Now, don't you think that's vital that that happens? Like, what, could we do... go, what could go wrong, Ben? Yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> well, 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 think about this. So early on, I worked, I worked on a system called Real-Time Location Systems, RTLS, and in hospitals. And I was applying this tracking location, okay? It was a location-based solution. It was a tracking solution, right? It tracked people and assets in a hospital, okay? Now, by doing this, there's an extraordinary amount of value to you as a consumer and to the hospital from a financial and clinical perspective. Huge, okay? And one of the key ones was about hospital-acquired infections that happened in a hospital, okay? Because it happens quick. And because these caregivers are going you know, all over to provide and care, you know, they're not just washing their hands, it's it's on their scrubs, it's on a device that may not got wiped down, right? And then it comes in contact with another folk, uh, other patients. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it may sound a little scary to be tracked, but there's, a, if you're in the hospital, you're sick, and I don't want to catch a, a hospital-inquired infection, so I want protocols put in place. Know where I'm at, I don't care, right? Also know that Tracking me in a hospital as a patient also helps the throughput. So almost like, you know, a um, assembly line. If I'm going to go, you know, to these different procedure areas while I'm in the hospital, like radiology or surgery or whatnot, I I want the tools, the people to, to be just in time so I'm not waiting, right? It, it, it's, it's the most efficient. And so I know Google, I, I think it's because of, Google does have so much information, it's scary. But if it's not Google, it's somebody else, Jim. Somebody else is going to have that data, right? These hospitals are teaming together and creating consortiums to try to utilize all this data to provide better outcomes. It's, there's, it's, not, cynical, it's not sinister what they're trying to do. They're trying to be as efficient and, and predictive with the data they have and learn from it, right? So when I, you have I, would, I would buy that story if they were open with the data. But in fact, you see um, these companies and hospitals 
pushing back on these um, interoperability solutions. Well, data's and, money. Data's money. Well, it's a it's a well, so, revenue. So, yeah. So that's a conflict in interest right there. Well, they're paying and, for the data too, though. Like as they they want data, hospitals are they pay for outside data too, right? Not just what's generated in theirs. They want to mash it up, right? So they'll pay for scripts data, like you know what medicines you take outside that hospital. They're paying for they they have to pay to get that information, right? Now, look, they also yeah. Charge back, for and this. back to your point, where's my cut in that <laughs> in paying for my data? Checks in the mail, Jim. Checks in the mail. <laughs> so. Okay. Should I go check the mailbox right now? Well, because I'm certainly not going to Venmo you the money, because then it would actually get there quicker, right? So uh, yeah, checks see. in the mail, yeah. So, yeah, All no, right. I mean, look, you bring up valid points, right? Is that we have to put the safeguards in place about the data, right? And there's going to be a whole lot more data coming out, and there's going to be more data logic, more data fusion, and then the logic around that to give key indicators for conditions. Look, we're already we're already sliding down a slope on on data privacy. We've talked about this in the past episode. There just needs we need to continue to push to make sure that our, that regulations are put in place and that we have a thoughtful conversation about this. Um, does the end justify the means? Does you know, you know, giving up a little bit of our privacy, save my life, save a lot more people's lives. I'm hoping so. Um, but I certainly do understand the fear people have. Yeah, I guess, you know, I also want to just decide whose life gets saved with my data. So can I, can we, can we build that into the system? <laughs> no, because healthcare is supposed to be without you know, without malice, you know, without, <laughs> it's supposed to be blind as blind as justice. Justice is so, blind and justice medical. is blind. Yep. Yeah. And it should be. I mean, look, should be making the decision like that. I mean, that's not a societal way that we, we handle things now, or at least I hope we don't or won't. Um, but I think that, you know, this topic, remote patient monitoring, the average person is not getting enough exposure to it yet until they reach a chronic condition. That's where it's really happening. But there's other other things like, you know, having a surgery and coming home and it's a short period of time that they may want to, you know, monitor you like to check your recovery. You know, like at post-surgery, are you moving like you're supposed to? Like if you had a hip surgery, right, you're supposed to be walking, you know, after a hip surgery uh, to stay loose. Uh, I mean, I've never had it, but um, but I do know that there's a protocol after you get out, you know, there's a little bit of recovery, but then they want you moving and you have to continue to move. If you don't move, it's going to affect your recovery and how your muscle memory and, and, and everything works. Right. So having a way to track that when you're home, you know, maybe this is only in a 90 day, uh, 60 or 90 day protocol to monitor you, but that can make a world of difference to a lifetime of happiness and, and ability to move around. Right. So, and if, if a payer is going to invest in paying for you to get this hip surgery, they want you to do it right, right? They're making an investment, right? And so they want you to do the post-operative activities. So remote patient monitoring is a, is a great way of ensuring that we're doing the things to, to better our health. Yeah, I think that's a topic I want to, not, not today, but I want to, go into the insurance um, industry's role in healthcare. 
because I think there's some really um, concerning uh, points uh, about that role. I think we we got to some of the conflicts of interest earlier between you know the the benefit of the patient and the benefit of the system, let's call it. Um, and I and I, and so I think in a lot of times in th these things conflict. So I think getting into insurance would be interesting. But before we do that, I wanted to bring up something because we're we're kind of talking about these these new data models and sort of the consumer companies coming to access our healthcare information. And I mean Google, Apple, Microsoft, pick your yeah. pick, pick your big guy who already has a lot of our information. So I think late last year there was a new model. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I'll I'll give you a little bit of background on it. It's called the Karen Blue Button API. And Karen is spelled C-A-R-I-N. And Karen is it's a, a consortium of organizations, um, private sector, um, insurance. Apple, Microsoft, Google are part of this. And it's actually a, an attempt to make a standard for patient access to digital health data. It's um, And there were some providers and insurance companies part of this. I think Blue Cross, Blue Shield, somebody else was in there. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and, and there's even been like developers conferences and stuff. So they're already on 2.0. But the point is... Um, you know, some of these guys, they already have sort of health record capabilities and they're, they're trying to, so, so well, my point on this one was going to be, um, you kind of notice who's not involved in this more than who's involved. So as I look through the list of the folks that are participating, you don't see Epic, Cerner. No, Cerner's, Cerner, yeah, I'm looking at it. Cerner's on here. Yeah. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay, that's new then from the list that I have. Yeah. But um, I I thought it was interesting who was not in it more than who was in it. And yeah, and I mean, there's some pretty good. I mean, there's some pretty good folks in here. Like Doctor First. Well, CVS is kind of an interesting play, but there's Google's on here, Optum's on here, Pfizer's on here, Practice Fusion. Um, you know, there's definitely a cross section of technology, technology services, payers providers like you know hospitals um so there's i mean there's a good cross section on here representative i don't you're right i don't see epic but cerner's on here um so insure scripts is on here um so and i see i see the fido for the you know authentication standards so yeah there's there's some interesting folks that are on here i this you know thank you for bringing this one to my attention i hadn't researched this one before uh, so I'm going to dig in on this because uh, it does seem a bit interesting to see what their charter is and how much progress they've made from the time of inception. So uh, this is a great one to look at. Um, you know, Jim, I it's, think it's it's fairly new and it's a lot of it. It's built on HL7 fire, you know, the usual suspects here. Um, yeah. I'm sorry if I sound a little. Well, now they got they got some I mean, they got some heavy hitters on this team. Uh uh, uh, Brailers on here, Blumenthal's on here. These are these are heavy hitters in, yep. in healthcare. So, um, you know, they definitely have good thought leadership on it. 
Yeah. Well, let's see. Anyway, I thought that one was interesting to bring up. Yeah. And then, you know, the, you can look vertically at each one of these, um, you know, members. Like, you know, a Apple's got their own um, way to store uh, health data, you yeah. know, it's, it's through HealthKit. And actually, I, I went, you know, our provider, you know, is, is Stanford uh, Medical. And, and so Stanford Medical app uses the Apple capabilities so yeah. you can store your health record. Um, and I'm wondering if under the, you know, I don't know this, I'm just guessing. Um, I'm wondering what Apple uses as their underlying, uh, you know, data structure. Maybe they're using something like this. I don't know, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the HIMSS conference is coming up and for those of you that aren't in, you know, healthcare, you know, technology geeks, um, it's the biggest, you know, trade show conference for healthcare information systems, uh, software solutions, services, hardware. Um, and so I, I, I plan on attending this year. It's in March. It's in Orlando. It bounces between Orlando, I think, and Vegas now. Um, and I'm really looking forward to going to the Digital Health Pavilion um, and seeing kind of devices and services. Um, the one thing I am holding my breath on because I know I'm going to see it and probably it, was, it will probably frustrate me a little bit is the overuse. I'm anticipating this, the overuse of the word AI in two thirds of the booths that I see at, at, at uh, HIMSS conference that they're all going to put it up on their, on their, in their marketing on the boards and their booths. And they're really not going to be doing too much with it. And so I'm going to be asking folks when I meet with them to explain what they're really doing with AI. Cause there's a, there's a great way to explain it, and I think we should talk about AI on another, on another podcast, but I, I will report back to you in one of our future podcasts about the, the outcome of HIMSS and how people are taking digital health data, remote patient monitoring data, uh, and applying it through a AI machine learning decision support system, because I think um, we're going to see how what people are spinning up and how they're um, talking about it in less than a month here. Yeah, we can do a we can do a very good show on that and I'll I'll put out a teaser. So we actually have a real expert in artificial intelligence and um his name is Dean Weber and uh I talked to Dean today and we're I invited him on the show and so he's going to we're we're going to do an artificial intelligence show using voice technology and um one of the guests will be a voice AI bot. How about that? Oh, that's awesome. As yeah. a teaser. Sign me up. I'm, that's like a great <laughs> show. Yeah, seriously, that sounds like a great show. So let's yeah, so let's do that. We're um, gonna try. We're gonna we're gonna try to set that up. And I talked to Dean about it today. I thought it'd be an interesting um, it's interesting approach with all the with all the deep fake capabilities we can do here, you know, we could maybe we could have any guest we want on the show, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jim, good, good, good uh, chat today. This was, this was fun. Um, certainly more things that we'll, we can dissect or unpack from this, but I think we covered a lot today. Agreed. So, um, how how are we gonna um, go forward? I think we need to. Uh, 
I'd like to have a couple of the shows planned out. So it would be great if we had, you know, because that way we we could give people a heads up what's coming, what to look for, when to look for it. So one of the yeah, things absolutely. I've been thinking about is just ha- having these next seg- uh, segments planned a little um, a little better. But uh, I keep, still got to keep them unscripted. But yeah, but uh, yeah, I, there's there are several guests that I would like to have on. Uh, and so if you're listening, you know, I'll be reaching out to you. Uh, I definitely like to have uh, ResMed on. Um, and talk about, you know, ResMed or Phillips, either one to talk about, you know, sleep and chronic conditions from their vantage point. Um, I think, you know, uh, somebody from senior leadership in either one of those organizations would be really fascinating to have for our, our, view, our, our listeners. Um, AI, man, I'm super jazzed to hear, you know, about AI and get a vantage point. I'd love to have a payer on too and get their vantage points on reimbursements, where we can expect things to go. We talked about catastrophic insurance. We've talked about these kind of new retail models with, uh, you know, forward, you know, I think it's called forward uh, and one medical that just went public and is crushing it. Um, so, I, you know, those, I think hearing a payer's perspective, of those would be really fascinating. So I, we'll, we'll definitely try to get a payer on the show. That sounds good. Well, um, we haven't, we, you haven't been on the show since the Super Bowl. So, uh, what happened? Did you win? Did you get your bets? I know who you were for. So, didn't yes, well, I didn't was, end well for you. But I was, yes. My I, my prediction was on the last the last episode. I predicted who was going to win, and uh, turned out to be correct. So, yeah, I uh, enjoyed it. Um, it's a fun day. It should be moved to Saturday. Um, I could, I'll, I'll be accepting your hate mail if you disagree, but it would be great to have Sunday <laughs> off and uh, Super Bowl on Saturday. I think would be yeah. Ben at Sperling.com, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think that would be better. Um, you know, it's the first. I'm a big Patriots fan. I was born in Boston, so uh, them not being in it, I'm sure, it was you know an exhale for everybody else uh, that's not from Boston. Um, but it was different. It was weird watching it because I didn't have the, the the typical angst I had during the Super Bowl. Yeah, don't worry. The Patriots will figure out a way to bend the rules and get back in there. No, oh, listen <laughs> to this guy. Listen to this guy. Well, uh, okay, no, 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 no sweat. They, they'll yeah. figure it out. I've I've heard enough of the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, but, no. I we'll thought, see, we'll I thought see, it was we'll a see. good Super Bowl. It was fun. Um, we'll see if it, the goat comes back. That's the big thing, right? Will the goat return? Good question. I think so. Seems like it's not well, over yet. They got to give him an offense. To, you know, they got to give him somebody to throw to. So I mean, he shouldn't bother a lot coming of, back. They had a lot of injuries, and the one guy that went crazy. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That hence our show mental health. Um, yes, definitely. Anyways, Jim, great catching up with you today. Um, yeah, to our listeners, please uh, give us some feedback of topics that you'd like to hear, things you liked or did, didn't like about our current and past podcast episodes. Like us on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. Um, definitely look forward to your your feedback because that's um, that's part of the fun here. Yeah, and we got good feedback from the last the the interview show, so I think we got to try that uh, some more. T- uh, some more. I think that that was interesting. You brought up some good ideas, and uh, yeah, I like that. I like the idea of the interview as well. So we'll we'll give that another shot. Um, 
good feedback from the last one. Excellent. Benjamin, All right, my friend. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Take care. And cut. 47 millionaires on a ship with marble squares leaking up their lollipops. No one ever interrupts. 47 millionaires on a ship with marble squares playing with their teddy bears, talking about the rising fairs. 47 millionaires on a ship with marble squares whistling to the favorite song, dancing, laughing all night long. 47 millionaires on a ship with marble squares praying to the morning sun. Talking with their golden tongue And I wished I was one of them And I wished I was one of them I'd love to be a millionaire I wished I had a golden mare And I would waste my precious time By looking for the perfect rhyme Life is easy, life is good It would be like Hollywood Squares. There was a wave that killed them all And now the lollipops are gone Forty-seven millionaires On a ship with marble squares Traveling to the nowhere land Where nasty pleasures never end And I wished I was one of them And I wished I was one of them They tell me how can it be that my set you free tell me how can it be that money can set you tell me how can it be that money can set you free tell me how can it be that money can set you money can set you free